We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, November the 2nd, 2020. On today's show, we look back at the first half of the season. I'm giving my mid-season report card, handing out some grades for the first half of the 2020 football season. I'll talk offense, defense, special teams, coaching, give my overall grade. Also, TSUS first half MVPs for offense and defense as well. We have a lot to get to. Obviously, it is game week. Texas A&M this weekend at Williams-Brice Stadium. But before we go into the second half of the season, we take a moment to reflect, to look back. And like I said, I will give my official grades for everything that happened in the first half of the 2020 football season. Also, news and notes, your listener questions as always. And we have a fantastic interview singer songwriter you know him best for his work on just a big old cock and the Gamecock album Patrick Davis joins the show very very exciting stuff awesome interview that I know you guys are sure to enjoy before we get in everything this is a podcast to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group guys Upstate Movers Group superior moving service they bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're simply too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service guys service is what separates upstate movers group from the competition so guys they're not a trucking company by the way they are a moving services company and they're employee owned co-op which means their movers are paid twice the industry average. Everyone in the crew is just as invested in the success of the project as you are, and they have dedicated professional crew members. Like I said, guys, service, they're going to take care of you. When they offer stuff like that, you know you're going to be taking care of them in the moving process. They also offer black glove service, which means they offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. Oh, by the way, here's the kicker. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni. So, guys, Gamecocks helping Gamecocks, a Gamecock-owned business. We're all about supporting Gamecocks on this show. They are a Gamecock-owned business. They offer 20 years of project management and moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, if you have any moving needs, especially if you are in the upstate, be sure to check them out. They're at upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. You can also find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Again, a Gamecock-owned small business. Gamecocks helping Gamecocks. Again, service is what separates them from the competition, especially if you're in the Upstate. But if you're around the state of South Carolina, if you're around that area and you're moving anytime soon, go with my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Again, you can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group and check them out. Check out their website. Give them a call. That's 
upstatemoversgroup.com. Again, it's upstatemoversgroup.com. And be sure to tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at Yardware. Guys, Yardware, very excited to talk to you about Yardware. I know you guys are probably seen on social media. I've been posting about them a ton, and there is very, very good reason. Guys, Yardware is a veteran-owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina. Oh, and by the way, they were founded by South Carolina alumni as well. So again, Gamecocks helping Gamecocks in this scenario. They're selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. These signs, guys, are awesome. Like the quality is the thing that's going to jump out at you when you get your yardware sign. The quality on these things is incredible. They're made out of 12 gauge laser cut steel and they come in both garnet and black. Guys, I have mine sitting in my studio right now. Like I said, when you get it, you're going to feel the quality. Like these things are heavy. Ask anybody that's already gotten one. They're heavy, they're sturdy. It's not some cheap thing, you know, whatever. It is a nice piece. It is a really, really nice piece. I would say that whether they were sponsoring this podcast or not, I would say that they were, whether they were a partner or not, this is an awesome thing, a must-have for any Gamecock fan. Again, they come in both garnet and black. Football season's in full swing. Guys, we're through Halloween. Guess what? We're in the Christmas season now. It's right around the corner. It's a must-have for any Gamecock fan. First things first, get it for yourself. But any Gamecock fan you know, I don't care if it's your boyfriend, girlfriend, cousin, uncle, dad, mom, whoever, the Gamecock fan in your life, every South Carolina Gamecock needs one of these signs. You can order yours today at yardwaresigns.com. That is yardwaresigns.com. Also, be sure to check them out on social media at yardwaresigns. Again, this is a must-have for any Gamecock fan. I have mine right now in my studio, but you can put this thing anywhere. You can hang it on the wall. You can put it in the yard. You can put it anywhere in your house, whether that be your office, your studio, your man cave, the garage, hey, your living room, your dining room. It's a really, really, really nice piece. And again, a must-have for any Gamecock fan. So again, be sure to check them out. They're on social media, Yardware Signs. And you can order yours today at their website, YardwareSigns.com. That's YardwareSigns.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We have got a packed show. It is officially game week once again as South Carolina prepares to take on the Texas A&M Aggies Saturday night at Williams-Rice Stadium, a night game at Willie B. I know we're all fired up as we begin the second half of the 2020 football season. First things first, guys. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Happy Monday. Hope your Halloween all went well. I know we were all busy, crazy schedules with Halloween being on Saturday. Everybody had their festivities, whether they were going out or had a party or whatever, what have you. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Um, really excited. Really, really excited to be talking to you guys here on a Monday. Obviously, we had no show Friday, so I did miss you guys. I missed you guys a lot. It feels good to be talking to you yet again here on a Monday. Got a lot to get into, like I just mentioned. The second half of the season is beginning. 
this Saturday at Willie B. We're going to take time here on this Monday to look back, though. I'm going to give some grades. I'm going to hand out some report cards, and you might not like the results of what I might have to say, but, hey, I'm, I'm a harsh judge. I'm a harsh teacher, all right? Anyways, giving some grades out, midseason report card, also some MVP awards for the first half of the 2020 football season. Guys, I am fired up to be talking to you here on Monday. And, again, I'm fired up. I had a fantastic weekend. Again, I hope you guys all did the same as well, but – I had a great weekend, man. What an eventful weekend it was for a bye week for yours truly. Friday, as you guys probably saw on social media, was you know blessed. Honestly, I feel blessed being able to go on a tour of Williams-Brice Stadium on Friday. I uh, was lucky enough to get toured around and taken around and shout out um, to my buddy that took me. I, w- I won't put his name out there and put him on blast like that or whatever but because uh, I don't know if he'd want me to. But either way. Guy that took me around, really, really do appreciate it. Honestly, got to see everything inside williams Bright Stadium. Got to walk the locker room and walk on the field and see all the club levels. And it, I mean, it was, I got to stand on top of the lights above Willie B, the highest point in the stadium. So, so awesome. That was incredible on Friday. Again, it, it was, I do not take it lightly because again, I'm not sure I ever thought that I would get to see some of the stuff that I saw on Friday and getting to tour Willie B and just, that was incredible, man. That that was incredible. Just as a South Carolina fan, again, getting to walk through the locker room, getting to walk out of the tunnel where they run out for two thousand one, um, just incredible stuff, man. I, I mean, it, it was it was awesome to see. Also, Friday, I must say, got to check out Stone Stadium and check out Gamecocks women's soccer. The first time I had ever been to Stone Stadium. And I must say, guys, if you've never been to a soccer game, be sure you do go to one. Stone Stadium's an awesome venue, awesome place to catch a game. And I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. It was great weather, great night for it. Um, and got to go to Stone Stadium. That, that, that was really cool Friday. Saturday, just playing with Clemson fans' emotions. It was so funny. And I'm sure we all watched the Clemson game. We all know how it unfolded. But if you guys saw me on Twitter or really on social media in general, I had Clemson fans losing their minds. I definitely ruined some people's weekends. Clemson Tom, God rest his soul. It's so funny. I was sitting back laughing as I was tweeting and as as I was saying this stuff, and you got people legitimately letting it ruin their days, ruin their weekends. And, guys, it is – I know South Carolina and Clemson don't play this year. We we both know the reality of the situation, where Carolina is as a program and compared to Clemson and the success that they've had on the field. That's all fine and dandy. But for a team and a program whose whose team is so good, whose football program is so good, their fans are still soft as microwave baby shit. And it is so comical to watch. They let every little thing, every little comment get under their skin. The people that were crying on social media all weekend long. It just, you know, it honestly just warmed my heart. I, I, I loved seeing it. I loved seeing the Clemson fans crying all weekend, letting me get under their skin, giving me the exact reaction I wanted out of them. So Clemson fans, I know there's probably a couple of you tuned in because you guys are degenerates and you want to check in on what South Carolina's doing. It's that little man syndrome. I totally get it. I know you guys are tuned in, and I can think off the top of my head who the accounts probably are. But, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the entertainment this weekend. That was a blast. It's it's so fun seeing you guys absolutely lose it over what I have to say. I, I love it. I love it. Honestly, I love it. I love I love going back and forth, you guys, and, and letting you. I mean, the jokes write themselves when it comes to Clemson fans. It's so great. I love it. Thank you for making this weekend the bye week 
so entertaining for me and other Gamecock fans that follow me as well. Honestly, we had a blast. We had a blast laughing at you for sure. Um, one last thing. I'm trying to think. Sunday, pretty chill day. But overall, a great weekend for yours truly. Really a great weekend. Also, something I'm going to get to in the housekeeping items really quickly. Let's go ahead and jump into that, shall we? First things first. If you have not done so, take five seconds out of your day. Guys, we're getting closer and closer to 350 reviews, which means we're getting closer to 400, which means we're getting closer to 500. Guys, I want to hit 500 reviews. That is my goal. If you have not done so, take five seconds out of your day. That's all it takes. Just a couple seconds, just a minute or so. Leave five stars. Leave your thoughts, your feedback. If there's things you like, things you don't like, you want to hear more of, less of, whatever, that is a great place to do it. Again, doesn't matter the platform. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you consume your podcast, take five seconds out of your day. Go leave a review for the show. Again, it helps boost up the podcast. It only helps the show and only helps the business. So, hey, if you're a supporter of the Spurs Up show, Go leave a review. Take five seconds out of your day. would mean the world to me if you could do that. Again, appreciate those who've already done so. And also, if you're not subscribed, be sure you hammer that subscribe button. Like I mentioned on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, social media, obviously you're not following. YouTube, we are creeping closer and closer to 1,000 subs. Help me get to 1,000 subs on YouTube. Hammer that subscribe button and Click the bell icon to get daily notifications of when we drop new videos because I'm always dropping videos on YouTube. I'm honestly, guys, I'm really happy with the way the YouTube content has picked up over the last few months or so. And I think we're seeing that as far as a reflection, as far as the increase in subscribers. So if you're already subscribed, thank you so much. But if you haven't, make sure you are because you want to get the daily notifications when the podcast drops. So again, if you haven't done so, rate and subscribe. And if you have, thank you so much, guys. Also, Quick reminder, yes, we are going to be at Overtime Bar and Grill this Saturday. Watch party at Overtime Bar and Grill right down the road from williams Bryce Stadium. I will have all the details probably dropping sometime later today in regards to the address, in regards to the specials, all that good stuff, the social media promo graphics as I've done for each and every single watch party. But doors open at 5. The game, obviously, kickoff is at 7 be sure to come out to Overtime Bar and Grill. Guys, it is going to be a fantastic time. They have great great food and drink specials. It's a phenomenal place to watch the game, by the way. Tons of Gamecocks been showing up. They've got TVs literally everywhere. The food is a bomb. Like I said, the drink specials are great, but the food is bomb. The wings are incredible. And it's a fantastic venue, and it's right down the road from Willie B. So if you're going to be in Columbia, you don't have tickets to the game, you need a spot to watch the game. Overtime Bar and Grill, that is the spot to be. Again, doors at 5, game at 7. Also, guys, before we get into everything, I want to take this moment to say thank you. A heartfelt thank you to all of the supporters, all the people that show love, take time to consume the content, to share the content, to listen to the podcast, to consume stuff on social media, whatever it may be. But we had a record-setting month in the month of October, and I knew we were on pace for it, but obviously I didn't want to say anything until the end of the month. But a record-setting October, in the month of October, from October the 1st to October the 31st, 32,853, that is the number, 32,853 downloads of the Spurs Up show, of the podcast, guys, that is a record for us in a month. Really just, again, a heartfelt thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Obviously, that's huge for the business, for the growth, 
what I'm trying to do, what I'm building, what we're building. Really, really do appreciate you guys. Again, it's been a crazy journey. It's been a wild ride. I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, when I put that graphic out, announcing that and telling you guys right now, I, I'm extremely proud of the work we've done. I am excited to tell you guys, and I'm excited to share in this small victory with you. Because again, without you guys, this would not be possible. None of this would be possible. Nothing that you see with the business as far as the growth and sponsors and, and, and what we're doing with the business and the type of content we're able to produce and create and what we're able to do. None of it, none of this would be possible without you guys, without your love, without your support, without you tuning in. Again, I, I, that number is is significant. 32,853 downloads. I mean, again, you think about that. Averaging over 1,000 downloads per day. We released 21 total shows in the month of October. That's over 1,500 downloads an episode. Again, celebrate the small victories. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you guys and celebrate with you because again, for all the listeners, everybody that's tuned in, we're sharing in this success together. This isn't just me. This isn't just the Spurs Up show. To everyone that is tuned in, taking five seconds, taking even a second out of their day to tune in, to support, to show love, to interact with the show, obviously, as well. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It, it, I, I Words don't do justice, and I, I cannot stress enough. I can't state it enough how grateful, how thankful I owe it all to you guys. So again, everyone that's tuned in, everybody that's supported, you know, giving the kind words, thank you guys so much. Again, 32,853 downloads in the month of October. And honestly, guys, I truly believe this. The sky is the limit. I expect us to set the record again in November. I, I really, really do. And I know with the supporters that we have with the Spurs Up show and, and, and the fan base, the best fans ever that support the Spurs Up show, guys, I, again, I... I feel like I'm rambling because I don't have the words to tell you guys how thankful I am, how grateful I am. I remember back in the day when I was getting 100 downloads in a month. So thank you guys so much. I don't take it lightly, and I truly, truly appreciate you guys supporting the content, sharing the content, showing love, being interactive, engaging with the content. Thank you guys so much. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna get off the soapbox, stop being cinema, because we have – Gamecock football to talk, but I'm really excited. Obviously, again, it is game week. We're going to move right into it. My midseason report card. Again, it is game week. Texas A&M coming to town, which will kick off the second half of the 2020 football season. South Carolina right now at two and three. And I thought to myself, before we start looking ahead, before we start looking ahead to Texas A&M, because obviously later this week, I will break down everything with the Aggies. I will break down that game, get my prediction. You guys know the drill. I wanted to look back. And I wanted to look back and give some grades, give my midseason report card. We're going to talk about it all, offense, defense, special teams, coaching. I'll give my overall grade, my first half MVPs, and just take a look back as far as where South Carolina is at two and three. What did we expect? What have we seen from the first half of the season that does or does not give us hope going into the second half? So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Again, I'm doing offense, defense, special teams, coaching, and overall Let's start with the Gamecocks offense because, shocker, it's no surprise to you guys, this is going to be the highlight of the grades that I give out offensively. You know, coming in this season, you had so many question marks. And I, I guys, I had extremely 
low expectations for this Gamecocks offense. If you guys listen to me in the preseason and listen to me talk about this offense, what I expect to come in in 2020, I question whether South Carolina would average 20 points per game. I mean, I really did. I really thought with the questions on the outside at wide receiver, Mike Bobo incorporating a brand new incorporating a brand new system and a brand new scheme, Colin Hill being a brand new quarterback, you lose Marshawn Lloyd. I thought it was going to be extremely, and I mean extremely tough sledding for this South kind of offense. I must say, I have been pleasantly, and I, again, I know the record's two and three, uh, there's still been some moments. I mean, the, the lack of depth, the lack of options, I should say, at wide receiver has reared its ugly head. But overall, as a whole, and again, I don't know if it speaks to how good Mike Bobo and company have been or that my expectations were just that low, but I think the offense has done a very fine job in this first half of the season. Obviously, again, you look at Colin Hill. He's not perfect, okay? I totally get it. And there may be a quarterback change. There's been some rumblings. There's been some rumors, whatever, that maybe somebody else will play. Maybe somebody else will get the start. Colin Hill has played solid football, in my opinion, in the first half of the season. Again, had the the hiccup against LSU. was not his best game, even though you look at the stat line. It was very much a Colin Hill performance. Like, There's no question. That was a very much on-brand game for Colin Hill, but honestly has not put the football in harm's way. The guy has shown a really, really good arm, got a really strong arm. And again, he has been the field general that, you know, and I I was going to say that South Carolina fans expected, but I, I don't think any of us knew what to expect. I mean, I, I'll tell you guys this. If you'd have told me before the season that, hey, at the halfway point in the season, Colin Hill will be healthy. Literally, that's it. He'll be healthy. I would have told you that was a success. I would have told you that was a win because of his injury history. So Colin Hill, I think, has certainly exceeded expectations when it comes to me. Again, I already talked about Mike Bobo, but I love the fact, again, and I give Mike Bobo so much credit because I I made this statement in the preseason, I'll say it again. The job that Mike Bobo had and has this season with the lack of options and you lose Marshawn Lloyd in the preseason and you're incorporating a brand-new offense – really trying to squeeze blood out of a rock when it comes to this South Carolina offense, just finding ways to score, finding ways to have an identity. I tip my cap to Mike Bobo. Again, I I tip my cap to him because I don't think the offense has been the problem in the first half of the season, and I think most of us would agree with that sentiment. I don't think the offense has been the main problem in the first half. And again, I commend Mike Bobo. I tip my cap to him. I obviously said what I said about him during the first half in regards to I think he's one of, if not the best, if not the best assistant coaching hire of the offseason. Honestly, I feel like for the first time since Steve Spurrier was the head coach of South Carolina, the Gamecocks have an offensive identity. Again, that's something I've talked about a lot about a lot this season. South Carolina finally, once again, has an offensive identity. They're going to try to establish the run, run the football. They're not going to ask a ton of Colin Hill. Let him be a field general. Let him not throw them out of football games. But at least coming into games, at least now, we kind of have an idea, okay, this is what South Carolina wants to do. This is this is the type of team they want to be. They want to establish the run. They want to be tough. They want to be physical. They want to win at the point of attack. For the first time in forever, you know what the identity is. Obviously, again, the weakness, the wide receivers, we knew that was a problem coming in. Shout out Shy Smith. He's had an incredible first half of the year. The wide receivers have been a major issue, and we knew that. We knew that. Outside of Shaw Smith, you basically have nobody. But I've saved the best for last 
Kevin Harris, as far as what Kevin Harris has done in regards to, you know, I don't know what we really expected or what you expected, whoever's listening. I, you know, I don't know what people were expecting from Kevin Harris coming into this season, what type of player he'd be. But I think, again, he has surpassed everyone's expectations. I mean, you, you take a look at him right now. 546 yards, 535 yards, say my bad. 535 yards through five games, 93 attempts for 535. He's averaging 5.8 yards per carry and has eight touchdowns. He's averaging over 100 yards per game. He's on pace to be a thousand yard back. I would have never, ever predicted that. At the start of this season, I really thought it was going to be a running back by committee. The running back position was going to struggle. I thought it'd be a three-headed monster, and you'd see inconsistencies, and it would just be a long year for the Gamecocks running back position after Marshawn Lloyd went down. But overall, Kevin Harris has been phenomenal in the backfield. Deshaun Fenwick, I think, has been a really, really nice change of pace. So overall, getting to the point, my grade for South Carolina's offense, I'm going to give the offense in the first half of this 2020 football season a B plus. Again. There's still some things left to be desired. I know there's still questions with the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, even through five weeks. You still, you still don't have a number two option outside of Shai Smith. But what South Carolina has been able to accomplish in the running game as far as establishing an identity, and then Kevin Harris really busting on the scene. Again, probably the best running back you've never heard of if you're not a Gamecock fan. What they've been able to do in the running game has been Flat-out impressive. So for that reason, and again, South Carolina right now, as a team, as an offense, is averaging 29 points per game, 29.2 to be exact, 29.2 points per game. And like I said, guys, if you would have told me at any point this season, any point that South Carolina would have been averaging 30 points per game, I would have laughed in your face. And that's exactly what South Carolina was doing before that LSU game. And again, right now, they're at 29.2 points per game. So overall, bravo. Kudos to Mike Bobo. Kudos kudos to those guys on the offensive side. I'm giving the offense for my midseason grade. I'm giving the offense a B+. Again, I think we'd all agree. They have not been the problem. They are not the reason, at least the sole reason. And they're not the main reason for the two and three start. Now, Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. And this is where things are going to start to get very, very interesting. Um, And you're going to hear my harsh side come out. That is for damn sure. Because when we're talking Gamecocks defense, I think most would agree this is the reason why South Carolina is two and three right now. This is the main reason, at least. Averaging, giving up 30 points per game. You know, guys, I talked about this in the preseason. And I've said it over and over and over. It would be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp in year five. Not if the offense was average with a first-year OC. Not if the offense sputtered. But if the defense, if the defense yet again was suspect, if it was average, hell, if it was below average for sure, but if it was an average, you know, middle-of-the-pack or worse defense, that, to me, would be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp as a head football coach. Because, again, it's year five. When you hired Will Muschamp, you knew the offense was going to have some problems, right? You, you, you knew there was going to be some problems there. But the other thing you knew, the other thing you knew is that Will Muschamp, being a defensive-minded head coach, being this 
quote-unquote defensive guru, hey, this defense by year five is going to be elite. It's going to be one of the better defenses in the conference. Instead, you look at this year, and really outside of the Auburn game, and I mean, it, do you want to throw Vandy in there? Do you really want to count Vandy as all oh, the, the defense just dominated? It's like, yeah, bro, it was Vanderbilt. Yeah, they should have dominated. It was Vandy. So outside of that Auburn game where you took advantage, uh, and again, kudos to him, tip your cap. J.C. Horn had an incredible game. You took advantage of an erratic, bad Bo Nix. Outside of that game, I mean, you've given up 31 to Tennessee and could not force a turnover. You let Florida go up and down the field on you. Absolutely embarrass you as far as your tackling is concerned. We all remember and think about the Kadarius Tony play. And then you give up 52 to LSU. I mean, in comparison to what, what I expected, again, I already talked about the offense exceeded my expectations, has so far, and was much better than I expected. It's, all, it's baffling to me how bad this defense has been. Again, there's some good individual players on South Carolina's defense. There have been some good individual performances from South Carolina's defense thus far. This, there's some guys on that defense that are having good seasons at the halfway point. J.C. Horn obviously being the obvious one. Hell, Ernest Jones is leading the conference in tackles. John Dixon has shown at times. Jamie Robinson, Shiloh Sand. Like, there are some positives, sure, to pull from the defensive side of the ball. But overall, as a whole, as an entire unit, and again, you've been pretty good on third downs. That was sort of your calling card. I think South Carolina might still be number one in the conference in regards to stopping people on third down, conversion percentage, and getting off the field. But... Just as a whole, defensively, again, I don't know what the disconnect is. and I, I think I know what it is. I think it's coaching. I think it's lack of player development because I think South Carolina has talent. I think they have talent on the defensive side of the football. And I think you guys would agree. But overall, you're giving up 30 points per game. And, you, and you've been embarrassed on more than one occasion. Again, Give credit to the teams you played. Florida has a fantastic offense. But, I mean, look at LSU. True freshman quarterback. And then you see what LSU did over the weekend. Getting blasted by Auburn. That same Auburn team you beat. Getting blasted by Auburn. TJ Finley with two picks. Threw a pick six. This is the same true freshman quarterback that you let dice you up that you decided for whatever reason to bring no pressure on the kid. Again, Tennessee week one. Hell, Jarrett Garantano goes and plays Kentucky. Looks like Jake Bentley throwing pick sixes. And you couldn't force a single turnover off of him. So again, my grade for the defense, that they've left a lot to be desired. It's It's been a piss-poor performance, honestly, the first half. Um... And it's been shocking. It's been baffling how bad the defense has been. The only thing saving the defense from a failing grade is the play of a few individual guys, definitely J.C. Horn and Ernest Jones. Those are the two that honestly stand out. Keir Thomas also having a really good senior season. But that game against Auburn, 
you know, you, hey, you showed up. I'll give you credit. You showed up. J.C. Horn had a phenomenal game, um, and you're able to get the win. But but outside of that, really, because again, how much stock do you really want to include Vandy? I think they're the worst Power Five team in college football. Like, I, I don't really give a damn that you what, what you did against Vandy. Against the better competition, you you just look flat out awful. So. I'm going to give the defense a D plus. Again, it'd be an F if it wasn't for that Auburn game. It'd be an F. But I'm going to give them a D plus. Again, I, I still feel like there's talent on that side of the ball. I feel like there's talent in regards to the defensive side of the football for South Carolina. What is the disconnect? What is it? How can this defense be this bad with the quality of players you have? How? I think we all know why, or we know we, we think we know why. And it all comes back to coaching. Because it's like I told you guys, and I've said this a ton. Guys, to the people that get upset that I critique Will Muschamp and the coaching staff, guys, it's either players or it's coaching. It's got to be one or the other. It has to be. So, hey, if you don't think it's co- coaching, then you think the players suck. That's basically what you're saying. Okay, then. You think the players suck. I don't agree. Go look at the recruiting rankings for the guys right now on the defensive side of the ball. Some pretty damn good ball players. Pretty damn good ones. But you're giving up 30 points per game. And you've been, more importantly, embarrassed on a national scale multiple times. Florida and LSU specifically. So, can South Carolina's defense find something, find a spark, whether it come from turnovers or pass rush or Maybe J.C. and Izzy step up in the defensive meeting room. I don't know. But we need to see a major turnaround from this Gamecocks defense. And again, for that reason, I am giving the defense for the first half of the 2020 football season, I'm giving them a D plus. I, I just don't think they deserve much better than that. I mean, again, it's, it'd, be, it'd be a failing grade if not for the Auburn game. So I'm going to give them a D plus, hopefully. And if South Carolina is going to have any type of run in the second half of this season, that's going to have to improve. That's going to have to turn around. Let's move into the special teams. Very interesting here. Um, obviously, question marks coming into this season in regards to you had to replace Joseph Charlton. And I talked about Charlton in the preseason. I think a lot of people, again, the punter position is not the sexiest position on the field. Um, you don't really think about it. It's not something where you come into a season. That's like the first thing you're going to talk about is, man, like we have a great punter. Like if you're having to talk about your punter that much, it means your offense sucks. So you'd rather not see the punter at all. But the Gamecocks replacing Joseph Tarleton with Kai Kroger got off to a very, very rough start. I think he's been better as of recently. Parker White has been good, not great. Obviously did not have his best game against LSU. I really don't know what in the world was going on. But overall, I'm going to give the special teams a C. And here's the reason, too. Because there have been special teams blunders this year that I can think of. Again, it's been an adjustment. You've had to replace Brian Edwards as your punt returner. You've had Jamie, you've had Jamie Robinson catch a punt inside the 10. Why would you do that? You've had a ball hit off Cam Smith's leg that lost you the game in special teams. You had LSU return a kickoff for a touchdown. Another special teams blunder. So I feel like I might be nice giving a C. I think I'm actually being kind of nice giving a C. I'm going to give a C, though, because it's it's been middle of the pack. Again, that LSU game really was a horrid look when you give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. But Parker White is a really, really solid option, in my opinion. Kai Kroger's getting better. I think the return game has been much better since that first game where Jammy had that mistake. So overall, I'm going to give the special teams 
a C. They've been okay, not great, haven't been terrible. We'll kind of see where it falls in the second half of the season. But overall, a C for the special teams. Let's move into coaching. This one should be a lot of fun to discuss. Let's move into coaching. You know, I said this to Alex McGrath as well, and Alex is the reason I'm saying this. The term coaching malpractice. You know, unfortunately, I've heard him say that. I've heard him use that term more than once this season. I've heard him use it more than I would have liked. That's for damn sure. Coaching malpractice. That has been, it seems like, the theme for a lot of the first half of this 2020 season. The moments stick out like a sore thumb. We think back to Tennessee, kicking the field goal with four minutes to go. And again, I gave Muschamp the benefit of the doubt there. I understood it. I understood why he would do it. But kicking that field goal, the seven-minute drive at the end of the Florida game, which is still just hard to wrap your head around. The seven-minute drive at the end of the Florida game. The decision to kick a field goal down 21 points at the end of the first half against LSU on the road in Baton Rouge. The decision to not blitz and bring pressure on TJ Finley for LSU, the true freshman quarterback. The one thing I will say on a positive, and I will give the coaching staff credit here, outside of LSU, which again was a a nightmare from start to finish, I do want to give credit in the sense that I think South Carolina's coaching staff has done a pretty good job in regards to halftime adjustments. I think South Carolina's been a pretty a pretty damn solid second-half team. I've seen South Carolina make some really good adjustments. And again, I don't know if that's Bobo specifically, T-Rod specifically, Muschamp, if it's all of them, whatever. But I think the second-half adjustments have been pretty damn solid. Because even in the games where South Carolina looked abysmal, you know, I think to Florida, Gamecocks did tighten up and played much better in the second half on defense. Um, I think to Tennessee, really good second-half adjustments there. I think to Auburn. Really good second-half adjustments there. So that has been the positive. But unfortunately, and I hate to say that it's not the last time we're going to hear it, that we're going to probably hear it again at some point, probably some point soon, unfortunately. But when coaching malpractice is the theme in regards to your coaching in the first half of the year, that's a bad thing. So overall, for coaching, my grade for the first half of the season, I'm going to give them a C-. Again, again, I think I could have been more harsh. I think I'm being a little nice, but I do want to give credit where credit's due in regards to the coaching staff doing a good job with second-half adjustments. I will give them that. I will tip my cap. But again, when you have that many moments this season – where we're sitting here naming off, you know, kicking field goals and burning seven minutes in a two-minute drill and, 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 and just ignoring the obvious and not blitzing a true freshman quarterback and, you know, kicking field goals down 21, 24 points. Like, when it's, it's, and it's not an isolated, isolated incident. It's been multiple times. It's been multiple times. The coaching malpractice from Will Muschamp and the baffling decisions. And is anyone surprised? And like I said, unfortunately, we're most likely going to have this happen again. 
It happened three times in five games in the first half. I guarantee you it'll happen at least one more time throughout the last five. So, again, give them credit. Second half adjustments have been solid, but coaching malpractice, that is the theme of the first half. And for that reason, the coaching for the first half of the 2020 football season, it gets a grade of a C-. minus. Which leads us into the overall grade. You put all those together, what do you get? Overall, going in this season, I picked South Carolina at this point in the year to be one and four. I thought their one win would be Vandy, and that's it. We talked about how important that Tennessee game was and that it was the most important game of the season. Well, you lose to Tennessee, you trade out Tennessee, and you beat Auburn, which you know, I don't think Auburn's some world beater. I don't think they're a great football team. But, hey, you showed up on that stage. We talked about all week how important that game was, what it, went, what it meant for your program, whatever, and you got the job done. So you sit now at two and three. And I think this is probably where a lot of people had South Carolina predicted. Um, again, unfortunately, you know, outside of Auburn, you had three opportunities against three really – quality opponents, and two of the three times, I would say you pretty much got embarrassed. Um, Tennessee, ball didn't bounce your way, you didn't make the plays, and you lose a football game. Uh, again, I had predicted one and four. You're at two and three right now. You've certainly missed some opportunities. It, it's been some good, some bad, some ugly, kind of a mixed bag, and for that reason, I, I really fall right in the middle. It, it's been very average if you will like, like nothing stands out in regards to the first half again yes jc's two interception game you get a nice win over auburn but nothing really nothing really that wows me nothing that really stands out for that reason i'm gonna give the overall grade for south carolina for the first half a c overall grade again and i think that that is a very fitting grade because at two and three Yes, you have the win over Auburn, but how good is Auburn really? You know, the win over Vandy, whatever is what it is, you should have won that game. Um, and then two of your three other ones, you've gotten basically blown out. So, you know, again, some good, some bad, some ugly, very average start of the year. And again, for that reason, I give them a very average grade. Overall, a C. You're right down the middle. You're, you're right in the middle. You're average right now. You're not great, but you're not terrible. You're meh. You're mad right now. So at two and three overall record, I give the overall grade for this football team in the first half of the season a C. So again, going back down the list, offense gets a B plus, defense gets a D plus, special teams gets a C, coaching gets a C minus, and the overall grade for the Gamecocks in the first half, I'm going to give them a C. Again, would love to have you guys get your feedback, hear your thoughts. What grades would you give? to all these different units in the overall grade for South Carolina football in the first half of the season. All right, let's move into the first half MVP, TSUS first half MVP. I've got the MVP trophy right here with me, right in my hands in the studio. Got the MVP trophy. Just kidding. There's nothing in my hands, guys. You know, you know, obviously didn't make MVP trophies, but still I'm going to hand out some awards in regards to the first half MVP, TSUS first half MVP. And it is presented to you. Our presenting sponsor of the award is MyBookie. Guys, you didn't think I was going to not talk about MyBookie, right? Between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs, guys, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available in all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. Guys, 
if you're the type of person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless, meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And guys, we're Gamecock fans. We know what it's like to be the underdog. Don't forget about the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The, the thing is this, guys. In football, in the NFL, in college football, underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Take a look at Saturday. Boston College with a 30-point underdog and almost beat Clemson. It's crazy. They're never really dogs on Saturdays or Sundays. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do as well. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets, guys. It's never too late to get on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. You can sign up today at mybookie.ag. And when you do, use the promo code GAMECOCKS. Again, that's mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOCKS to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way to 1000 bucks. So, guys, what that means, you go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code GAMECOCKS. Let's say you put in 1000 bucks. They are going to match that with an additional 1000 in free play. What a free play is. Hey, you want to bet a thousand on South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Florida? I, I don't know anybody, whatever. You want to bet a thousand, put a thousand dollar bet down with a free play? You lose, doesn't hit your bank account. It's a free play. You win. Guess what? You actually get the money. It is a win win scenario. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start in your winning season. Again, that's promo code GAMECOCKS over at mybookie.ag for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Guys, stack UFC cards, presidential prop bets, the elections tomorrow, guys. I know you're all excited and you all know who you're voting for, whatever. If you want to bet on it, if you feel that confidently, you can bet on the election. You can literally bet on anything and everything. All the major sports as well. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie, and we thank MyBookie for their sponsorship and helping me present the first half MVP award for the 2020 football season. Let's jump into it for offense and for defense. I want to start, and we'll do, how about this? Let's add special teams. Well, I didn't even have special teams in my notes. We will add an award for special teams as well. We'll add an award for special teams as well. I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm probably going to fly through these because I feel like these are so obvious. The first half MVP for the Gamecocks offense this season it's got to go to Kevin Harris. I mean, who else? Maybe Shaw Smith you could justify giving this to, but it's got to go to Kevin Harris. Guys, I read off his stats earlier. 93 carries, 535 yards. The guy's averaging over 100 yards per game, 5.8 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, has an 88-yard touchdown run. This dude has been the godsend for South Carolina's offense. I mean, he has truly been a game-changing player, a game-changing back. He has given, he has single-handedly given South Carolina that identity I was talking about as far as being a run-first team, being physical, winning at the point of attack. He is the best Gamecocks running back, I would say, since Mike Davis in 2014. That's the last 1,000-yard rusher for South Carolina. And I thought, certainly, with a 10-game schedule, I was like, there's no way anybody on our team is going to hit a 1,000 yards rushing. Not even Marshawn Lloyd. I really didn't think so. Kevin Harris on pace for a 1,000. You absolutely love to see it. So, again, it's a no-brainer for me. This dude has been the most important piece for South Carolina's offense, and I think he will continue to be so. He's going to be a guy that carries it 20, 25, maybe even more times per game. The first half MVP for the Gamecocks offense goes to Kevin 
Harris. Let's go. Round of applause. Round of applause for Kevin Harris. Congratulations, Kevin. All right. Let's move to South Carolina's defense now. The TSUS first half MVP with the Gamecocks defense. And this one might draw some, I, I don't know, some uh, some some raised eyebrows in the crowd. Maybe. I don't think so, but you never know. Because there's different guys on this defense, and there's two guys specifically that I think I could have named for this award, certainly. And I went with this other guy. But J.C. Horn, to me, has been phenomenal. The first, you know, he he has really again getting the monkey off his back with the interceptions against Auburn. He finally gets his first career pick. And you look at the stats, man. The stats don't lie. This dude is playing like a bona fide stud, like a legitimate first rounder, like an all-American. This dude is playing his tail off. Those two picks against Auburn, he has completely shut down his side of the field all season long. Again. Honorable mention to Ernest Jones leading the conference in tackles. It was tough to not go with him. But the thing to me that gives J.C. the nod over Ernest, Ernest has played a nice, solid season thus far. But J.C. has had those big plays. He's had those big moments. I mean, you think specifically the Auburn game. That was the J.C. Horn game. That was J.C. Horn's game. He took over that game against Seth Williams. So, again, it's a no-brainer yet again for me. The TSUS first-half MVP for the Gamecocks defense, goes to defensive back, J.C. Horn. J.C., congratulations, my friend. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Good stuff. All right, special teams, we'll wrap it up here. My special teams first half MVP, and again, this one was tough because it's been so up and down, and, you know, I know he just had a rough game against LSU. I understand it. I do. I understand that. I understand that, but I still like what I'm seeing from Parker White overall. The kid has been automatic from 40 to 50, five for six from 40 to 49 yards within within that range. He's been automatic as long as 45 this year. I think he's been put in some bad spots by this coaching staff, unfortunately, because he's seven for 11 right now. But if I got to pick one person, I'm going to go with Gamecocks kicker Parker White. Again, Parker, I still do believe, is one of the most dependable, one of the best kickers in the SEC. And I think he will have a really, really strong second half for South Carolina this season. So again, the award for TSUS first half MVP for the Gamecocks special teams in 2020 goes to Parker White. Parker, come on down. Accept your award. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. There we go. Anyway, that's the first half MVPs. Offense, Kevin Harris, defense, J.C. Horn, and special teams, Parker White. All right, let's move into your listener questions. One quick note really quickly. Obviously, I debated whether I wanted to bring this up on the show or not, but as you all saw, Tyreon Ingram Dawkins, the number one player in the state of South Carolina for the 2021 class, committed to the Georgia Bulldogs. It Doesn't that make us just feel fantastic? Doesn't it make us feel great? To the Georgia Bulldogs, he goes and... South Carolina found a way to lose over the bye week. <laughs> that was probably the funniest joke I saw all weekend is that South Carolina found a way to lose to the bye week. How in the hell did that happen? But Tyron, Tyron Ingham Dawkins of Georgia. Um, yeah, it's a gut punch. That's a gut punch. I was actually looking at recruiting rankings Saturday night, and South Carolina has, what, two of the top 20 guys in the state committed. The rest of them are going elsewhere. I mean, it's incre- It's just ridiculous. It's incredible. Anyways, Ingram Dawkins of Georgia, never know. Things could change in the recruiting process, but right now that is what it is, and obviously a huge blow. And I, I said it on social media, and I'll say it again. 
That's just another huge swing and miss for Will Muschamp. That's a huge swing and miss to lose out on an in-state kid. More importantly, the number one in-state kid that is going to Georgia. So, again, I'm going to move off this topic before I get really upset. Let's move into your listener questions, and we will start with Ethan.Cook47. Who is A&M's number one threat on offense? Again, I will break down the Aggies more so in detail later this week, but to me, I say it's Kellen Mond. Because of his abilities to run and throw, what he can do as a dual threat guy, South Carolina is going to have to account for his athleticism. So I say Kellen Mond. I mean, he is the guy that makes that Texas A&M offense go. Um, E-Card 0 how did we lose to an LSU team that got blown out by an Auburn team we beat? 2020, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense, to be totally honest with you. And that's, you know, I don't know. That's just kind of where our season is at this point. Scott W. Lawson, how pleasing was it to see Boston College up by 15 at the half over Clemson? I mean, it was honestly great. I, I, I wasn't shocked at all. I don't think any of us were shocked that Boston College could not hold on the lead and win that game. But it is what it is. So, yeah. But anyway, it, hey, it was sick. I, I was actually out and about, you know, kind of trying to enjoy the bye week, get away from the TV, not watch ball. And I kept checking on my phone. And I was like, dude, what in the world? I was like, I got to get home. We got to watch the game. And, of course, as soon as I cut it on, Boston College blows it. So, maybe I was the jinx. Um, Jeff Madison, 2327, is it amazing that other teams can get freshman quarterback snaps, even start games, and we can't? Well, again, I think the reason you haven't seen Luke Doty start a game is because you have a guy in a veteran presence in Colin Hill that has done a fairly decent job of managing Mike Bobo's offense. Again, is Luke Doty going to play this weekend against A&M? Is Ryan Linsky going to play? I don't know. I know that's a hot topic right now as far as a change at the quarterback position, but I don't know. I don't know. I know it's frustrating. I know when you're not winning, everybody wants to see the backup. I totally get it, but <clears throat> I think there's other reasons to it. I don't think getting Luke Doty out there, if he's a starter, is going to solve all the problems. Again, I don't think offense is the problem right now. I think it is the defensive side of the ball, but hey, maybe we'll see Doty out there. Who knows? Um, James underscore Paul underscore Wagner. How does Auburn holding LSU to 11 points make you feel about our defense? Yeah. So, LSU got flat-out embarrassed against Auburn, by the way. Um, makes me feel worse. That's that's for sure. It makes me feel worse about our defense. There's no question. There's no question. It makes me feel worse. Um, yeah, yeah. Not good. Not good when you give up 52, and then the next week, Auburn holds them to 11. And that last touchdown was total garbage time. It was 48-3. to three. Like, straight-up garbage time. So, yeah. The answer to your question, James Paul Wagner. Not great. Uh, last question, CP3 underscore presents underscore. Is it still right to call Muschamp a defensive guru? Is it still right to call Muschamp a defensive guru? Um, I put quotations around it. Let's just put it that way. So that that term is phasing out more and more by the second, my friend. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think honestly a defensive guru – if he was truly an offensive guru, would have the defense fixed in year five. Like, I come on, give me a break. So, I say no, but whatever. Quote, unquote, defensive guru. So, guys, appreciate the questions. Appreciate you interacting. Very excited, guys. Like I said in the intro, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of South Carolina athletes and coaches and different people this is the first time I've ever had a singer-songwriter. And again, you all know him. You all love him. This interview with Patrick Davis, just the big old cock. We Ain't Far, um, My Carolina, all of the songs, the Gamecock album, 
all the music he's made, all the music he's written, phenomenal work, hearing Patrick Davis, a true Gamecock through and through. And what an incredible guy, by the way. Patrick Davis, a phenomenal dude. It was so awesome getting to sit and chat with him. And I told him this, obviously, but somebody that I've been listening to on game day for years, literally like the last 10 years, since he dropped just a big old cock, I've been listening to this guy's song over and over and over again. So to get to sit down, talk with Patrick Davis, talk Gamecock football as well, what a true blessing. I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation. You're going to hear that coming from Patrick. We did have some very, very interesting conversations in regards to South Carolina football, some of his opinions, but such a cool, unique opportunity to talk to a guy like like Patrick Davis who has brought so much joy to South Carolina fans with his music, with his work, and somebody who is doing what he's doing. Um, legit like he is. And, and again, first things first, a phenomenal dude. We had a great conversation, guys, and I know you're going to enjoy it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Patrick Davis. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Southern Oaks Remodeling. Guys, Southern Oaks Remodeling, locally and family-owned, over 15 years of experience. They specialize in roofing, windows, doors, siding, and additions, and they're serving the greater Columbia area. Guys, like I talked about earlier in the show, and the people I partner with, Service is the thing. If you're not treating your people right, I'm not going to partner with you. I'm not going to mess with you. Southern Oaks Remodeling, I've had the opportunity to meet these people, talk with them firsthand, meet them in person. That connection, that's what separates Southern Oaks Remodeling. They're going to take care of you guys. When you're having somebody come in, do work, do remodeling, they're going to be there coming up on follow-up trips, and you're going to have to talk to them and explain to them what you want. That's the difference. You really get, again, locally and family-owned. You really get that feeling with Southern Oaks Remodeling. They take care of their people. When you spend money with a business, you're not investing money in the business specifically. You're investing money in the people. And Southern Oaks Remodeling, the people is what separates them from their competition. Again, if you're in the Columbia area, if you're around this area and you need any work done, again, roofing, windows, doors, siding, additions, any type of project you've been putting off, we're in the holiday season now. There's no better time than right now to get your work done on your house, whatever it is. Southern Oaks Remodeling is going to be the way to go. You can find them on social media at Southern Oaks Remodeling. And also, check them out on their website. Give them a call, whatever, for all of your remodeling needs. Again, guys, they're going to take care of you over 15 years of experience. They have the people. They have the knowledge. They have the industry experience, guys. They are going to make sure that dream remodel, that, that dream project you've had your mind set on, they're going to make your dreams come true. They're awesome. So, again, my friends over at Southern Oaks Remodeling, be sure to check them out. Go to their website. Give them a call. Check them out, and be sure to tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you guys. Enjoy this interview with singer and songwriter Patrick Davis. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show. I'm very excited. Normally, as you guys know, we're talking to former Gamecock athletes or what have you today. Very excited. He is a South Carolina alum, singer-songwriter. You know him best from his work on the Gamecock album, hits such as Wingo and his Yardcocks, We Ain't Far, and of course, Just a Big old Cock. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show, and someone that I jam on game day, every single game day, and I'm sure you do as well, Patrick Davis. Patrick, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on, pleasure to be chatting with you. 
Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. I'm glad to be here, man. This is a Instagram, Instagram DM. That's where it's at. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's where they all happen. It goes down in the DM for sure. Um, let, hey, let's go back to the beginning for you. Obviously, you've, you found a lot of success right now. You're kind of doing the whole music thing from Nashville and touring and stuff. But you're University of South Carolina alumni. Just, just talking about where the love for music came from, your time at South Carolina. I'm sure you were playing then and it sort of evolved there. But when were you at Carolina and just kind of your path? In, in, uh, in music and how it tied in with USC and, you know, like I said, your time in Columbia. Yeah, man. I um, My dad's a musician. Uh, I grew up with my, my old man. He's a school teacher. But um, when I was a kid, you know, he was like a weekend warrior. So he was always playing all over. Uh, I grew up in Camden, South Carolina. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 30, 40 minutes from Columbia. So uh, but my dad was always playing. And I, I, I played sports. I was never good enough to play, at, uh, you know, South Carolina or anywhere like that. Um, but I always grew up playing sports and I didn't start playing the guitar until I was about 15 or 16 years old. Mm. And uh, just like everybody else that plays guitar, you know, you find out girls like it. So if, uh, <laughs> if anybody tells you anything different, they're lying. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I started playing and singing. And then when I got to school in South Carolina, I was in, I was in school in South Carolina, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So um, I was playing in the bars in um, five points and then like the vista was just getting rocking uh back then so but i was playing at you know sharkies and you know pavlovs and jungle gyms when it was there um you know those were the places i think the first place i ever played was an old place called rough draft um i don't think it la it was it was gone probably by the time i was a sophomore or junior but my i think my freshman or sophomore year i played there and um i played for 25 dollars an hour in beer and uh it was awesome and uh, so, yeah, man, that's where it all started for me. And, and of course, growing up in Camden, you know, I've always uh, I grew up listening to Gamecock football on the radio, you know, mm -hmm. back back when I was a kid, you know, there was only three games Bob, on Bob Fulton, right? Bob, yeah, Fulton. Bob Fulton, yeah. man. And, and, you know, so I remember, you know, I remember the calls of, you know, I was a kid, but Todd Ellis, you know, when he was actually the quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it, it's like uh, there's a, my love and 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 uh, passion for Gamecock sports and everything comes uh, comes honest and and then the music side of it moving to Nashville I, I moved to Nashville you know from Columbia I, I kind of realized pretty quick the Hootie Boys have always been very good to me and um, I actually dated Mark Bryan's cousin when I was in high school when I was just playing sports so that's how I met them um, a long long time ago and uh, but Mark and Darius and those guys they always told me that if I wanted to actually make any headway in the music business, like real headway, I had to write my own music. And um, when I started looking into songwriting, which I always kind of enjoyed, I realized Nashville was kind of the place to go. So I moved here. It'll be, um, I think, uh, 20 years um, almost. Uh, I moved here right after I graduated. So in 2001, 2002. And um, yeah, so uh, those boys are very big for me. And so I write songs for a living. I've done it for a long time. It's been good to me. And taking my love of Gamecock sports and my love of songwriting and also the fact that I, I'm always a fan of like, I call it talking blues, I guess, where you just kind of talk about, you know, you talk about what's happening in the world and, and try to make, you know, sometimes humorous looks at things and Gamecock sports, especially football, you got to have a sense of humor because if you don't, Indeed. you might be suicidal. Um, you know, so that kinda, that's kind of where everything stems from uh, me and the Gamecock stuff. Now, when you uh, you said you started playing guitar like fifteen or sixteen, was it something where you just you were naturally good at it? I mean, or I mean, obviously you had to practice and get better, but like, did you did you kind of feel like you had a knack for it off the jump? Or, I mean, was it just a lot of 
a lot of hours spent practicing, and that's kind of how. Man, it- I wish I, I, I've actually, I'm always been pretty terrible on the guitar. Uh, my dad is a really great guitar player. Like you know, he's a he, when I do my big band, Patrick Davis's Midnight Choir. If I do shows, uh, my dad in South Carolina, he'll come out and play, and he's a he's a guitar slinger. I was more, I always liked the songwriting aspect of it, so I kind of would learn you know, Neil Young songs or, uh, you know, or I mean, back then, what, Dave Matthews songs, you know, stuff like that, you know, that was my thing, which isn't necessarily playing like, like Jimi Hendrix, you know, it's more like, right. just like, it's like Darius when he plays guitar, you know, he's just, he's the guitar player, the singer. I was always kind of more prone to want to do that. And, um, but I instantly kind of fell in love with uh, the songwriting aspect of things. So I was at that time, it was like Tom Petty, you know, I was, I was, I, I knew all the classic Beatles songs, all that stuff. And those are the songs I like to sing and play at, you know, those parties. I was the guy in the corner, you know, a little kid with giant, I had glasses back then, big glasses in the corner, probably weighed about, you know, 120 pounds soaking wet and was about six feet tall. And uh, no girls paid much attention to me until <laughs> I started singing. And then I was like, oh, hey, hello here. So, um, oh, cool. yeah, man, it, it was, uh, but nowadays I'm trying to get better at the guitar. But yeah, it, like anything else, it's just, um, it's definitely uh, the 10,000 hours is a real thing. Right. You know, and, and um, it just depends on what it is that you want to do. So for me, it was writing songs. So that's kind of the Nashville thing for me. For sure. You know, it's interesting, Patrick. I've had guys. So when you were at Carolina, you said late nineties, early two thousands. So I'm sure you were there when South Carolina went one in 21, 21 straight losses. And then they had back to back outback bowl wins. And so it's, it's kind of funny. Like I, I just had Willis Ham on the show this past week that he was obviously on those teams. He played wide receiver and I've, I've had Phil Petty and I've had Ryan Brewer and uh, Eric Camry's buddy of mine, whatever, but, for you being a student there during that time, like just talk about the, cause again, I mean, no, nobody wants to be in school when their team's zero and 11, I, nobody, you don't want to wish that on your worst enemy, but then, you know, I, were you, Hey, did you rush the field, New Mexico state and Georgia? And like, obviously living through that, that huge turnaround and Lou Holtz, like just from the football side of things, talk about being a student at that time. Cause again, that had to be just such a roller coaster of emotions. Oh, well, it was, we were, I mean, you know, we had, um, we were excited when Holtz got there, of course, but man, we were horrible. I mean, that's why big old cock. I mean, like I'm, it's, it's very, it's a very like, it's an autobiographical tune. I mean, like it's literally like that. Oh, and 11, you know, we, we did. Oh, and 11, like yeah. we knew every week we weren't going to win. And we were playing like East Carolina. It wasn't even yeah. like that big. We knew we were going to lose the games and um, man, that was a tough, that was a tough time. But you know, the eternal optimist that we are, you know, we're always like, Oh, just wait until next year or wait until next week. You know, <laughs> um, that, that, that played into it, even as kids, you know, even, and, and I think there was, a, um, at least at that time, especially when Holtz came in, we had the feeling that, that something was going to happen that was going to be good. You know, you kind of felt like the tide changing, you know, and I guess that Georgia, that Georgia game, you know, the, the one when they, tore the goalpost down and everything, you know, that was, um, those were, those were of course, huge moments for any Gamecock fan, but they were also um, after two years of living in a desert, they were, they were, it was like having a drop of water, you know, so right. you couldn't, but we had a, we had a, um, we still went to the games, you know, we still, right. I remember being at, you know, tailgating, you know, we, we back then it was tally ho, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we, we still went out there and, you know, drank underage and, and did all the things that you're supposed to do it as a college kid, you know? And, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a difficult time. And honestly, um, I, I, I hate to say this, but I think the days that we've had the past five years are as dark as those five years, you know, in a different way, even worse probably because, you know, before, 
those years happened, we'd never really had any taste of real success that was right. like right there. You know, we were that close to being, you know, a contender, you know? Mm. And, uh, and so I think the past few years has been really difficult for, uh, for Gamecock fans. And I'm sure you guys feel it a lot more than, you know, I talk with, you know, some of my other buddies that are either associated with the, with the university or the team or associated with, you know, other podcast or radio radio stuff and uh fan sites and they're feeling it too everybody is you know it's, this is it's gotten um you were in lsu you were in you know you were in new Orleans, yeah, new Orleans baton, rouge, yeah. you know, baton rouge this weekend um you know there's a different feeling i mean i i don't i'm not exactly uh sure what the answer is i think i know but i, I don't you know we don't right. want to say <laughs> right for sure so let, let's we're definitely going to get into gamecock football current day um but i want to get back to you the music side of things again you moved to nashville just you know obviously you've been there a while i'm sure a lot has happened since you lived there a lot of things in your career and personally and stuff like that but i'll ask you i've never been to nashville so as someone who's never been, just I, I talk about because I mean I feel like when I think of Nashville, and I mean I've seen pictures of, like the downtown and stuff. It seems like it's like a party every night. And I mean, I guess the the funny stories that like you hear of like, you know, I think somebody posted a video on Twitter. We were talking about Darius earlier. They're saying you know you'll just go out in Nashville on a random Tuesday night, and there Darius Rucker is in a bar just singing like it's, it's unscripted. Like like just I guess just talk about the experience. I'm sure there has to be for you you know, the, a balance, you know what I'm saying? Living in the midst of that, because like, you can't go too crazy. Like you're there to work and get after it, but also you're going to have a lot of fun in the process. Like just talk about like Nashville, how it's treated you, what life is like has been there. I mean, Nashville is, there's a reason. I mean, Nashville is growing at an extraordinary clip. Like when I moved here, it was still a small town. It was probably, um, I mean, it was kind of sleepy, man. It was, it was not much bigger than Columbia in a lot of mm. ways. Um, and in the past 20 years, I mean, once, I guess the TV show Nashville came on and when that came out, um, every, you know, kid from every Southeastern conference school in America wanted the area, all the kids in the, in the conference, they wanted to, they wanted to come to Nashville because it's kind of, it's kind of like LA in terms of like, you're around the entertainment. Business yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say, it's almost kind of a shame that the school in Nashville is Vanderbilt, like of all, of all the schools, like you'd think it'd be like this great, like nuts, no, Vandy. So anyway, Vandy, Vandy is the best school in the SEC. <laughs> but, you know, party schools, that's different, but it is yeah, the absolute well, best. Academia yeah. wise. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So, but no, it's, um, yeah, we have plenty of alcohol here. We, we, we don't need band. We don't need any any uh, any kids to to help us with that. Um, yeah, we you know Nashville is a is it is a wonderful place. Um, people come visit and they have so much fun because of those stories that you hear. Um, living here is different. When we were, you know, twenty years ago, uh, there was there was only like ten bars that in restaurants that anyone would go to in all of Nashville. Mm. So you know you would have a you would be at dinner or lunch and you might be with, it could be Neil Young literally sitting at the bar and then it could be Tim McGraw sitting with Faith Hill over here. And it could be two of your buddies that you run into because it was such a small town and everyone would come to Nashville to record from all over the world. Um, nowadays, because there is so, I mean, there's, I don't know that I would say in the next decade, Nashville's on par to probably start rivaling um, Atlanta in terms of size. I mean, it's just a giant, the, the growth has been just, I can't remember the number was, it was like 60 people a day moved to Nashville or something. It's been doing that for 10 years. It's, mm. it's crazy. So um, I feel like uh, 
nowadays we can go out and we don't see anybody we know, even in the places that we want to go. I own a bar here uh, called Never Never. It's a small little neighborhood bar. And that's we, we love those little neighborhood spots that are kind of like only where the locals know, because mm. we used to have a lot of those. But then the tourists started figuring out that we would hang out at Winners and Losers in Midtown. And that's where they would go, oh, my God, we can go see Kings of Leon or Chris Young's going to be there. And then everybody shows up there, you know, and that's what's kind of happened downtown. They knew that certain bars downtown were the bars that the actual artists and musicians and songwriters like to go to. So, yes, it is an awesome place to be, but um, it's changed a lot. Um, now, you would love it. Anybody come up here, you're going to have an absolute blast. Mm -hmm. You're going to drink your face off. Food's amazing. There's always music, but we're all spoiled. Like, we deal mm -hmm. with that all the time. So, you know, we don't necessarily go out and party like rock stars like we maybe once did. Mm -hmm. One of the re reasons is because there are so many tourists now. It's right, a little right. different. You'll find us in hole in the walls. Right, right. So that's, you said you own. You said you own a bar, right? You said never, never. That's the bar. Yeah, it's called Never Never. There's an area called Wedgwood, Houston, which is a right. uh, about I don't know a couple of miles from downtown, and um, it's where the new Apple Music uh, Apple Music is moving here, and that's where it's going to be. They got a so it's, it's an amazing area. Mm. It's very um, kind of a trendy, cool area, and we have a bar called Never Never that we nice. opened up. How, how was uh How was that during like the pandemic and stuff? I know, I know a lot of the establishments like that it's like food and beverage i know it was very interesting and i know we're still kind of in it but not obviously to what we were i mean stuff is back open but um yeah we, got, we were fortunate because we're not downtown on broadway uh broadway the bars downtown on broadway um kind of got into a back and forth with you know whether it be the mayor or whether it be the governor just like you know they, they were they were trying to shut them down they didn't want to shut down so there was a lot of issues there that were, were um were kind of constant for a while but we actually got fortunate um being a smaller bar you know we're talking about like our cap is maybe like 120 people or something like that and we have a great outdoor like two spots outdoor you know downtown on broadway is very hard you'll have a rooftop bar on broadway but you won't have anything else that's outside right. uh, we had the ability to kind of pull um you know the ability to bring people outside and keep them safe you know, however you want to say it. So we were lucky and our guys that, that run Never Never are incredible. And they they were really uh, scrappy. That's the word for any musician, songwriter. Um, you know, and I don't care what level you are. I don't care if you're if you're Stapleton or if you're Patrick Davis um, or everywhere in between or, you know, below or above. It's uh, it's you got to be scrappy right now because there is there are no gigs. You know, you've got to make your gigs. You got to figure out how to play. You're not making that money that, you know, and that, that trickles down from everyone from the guitar player to the you know the merch guy you know so it's it's really um it's been a it's been a fascinating time for all of us but yes the bar never never pretty awesome and they've done a pretty damn good job i cannot lie to you nice. they've um you guys check it out it's on a, you can find it on instagram and stuff like that cool little spot in nashville if you make it up come yeah, drink that's definitely nashville is gonna have to be an immediate trip for me soon um no for sure that's awesome man so yeah. i, I want to ask you uh patrick about your creative process uh, obviously again you you've you're a songwriter. Um, you've written songs, and it's crazy. So I, I think I read nearly 70 of your songs uh, recorded by some big artists, Jimmy Buffett, Darius Rucker, Lady Annabellum, Jewel. I, I just want to ask you again about your creative process. Whenever you you make a new record or you write a song, like where does it start from you? Is it kind of random? Do you do you set aside like you know specific, I don't know, writer blocks or brainstorming sessions? Or is it like do you just find inspiration naturally just like through daily life? Uh, it's probably all of those. Um, it's uh, we do in Nashville. You know, the Nashville is is the home of the music business. Um, it's like uh, it's kind of like Silicon Valley for music. You know, mm. um, and uh, 
we do when we're writing uh, everyone always thinks this is crazy but when we're really writing songs as songwriters in nashville we're probably writing between two and three hundred songs a year yeah uh, per songwriter um and that's that's only possible because we do what we call co-writing so you know when i was a kid growing up and when i was living in a on Blossom Street in Columbia with, you know, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of drunk frat boys and college kids. Um, you know, I would write probably 10, 12 songs in a year because, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to find your muse and then you got to get, you know, all these, you know, got to right. go through all the, all the process and make sure you sit down and do the work. Um, but here in Nashville, um, we get together in groups. So like every day, like I write songs for Warner Chapel Publishing, which is Warner Brothers Records, uh, publishing company so I've written songs for those guys for pretty much 15 or so years um, and uh, so what we do is if I want to write let's say for the next month if I wanted to write every day they would my calendar they would put another writer would be me and me and George Rogers and Ryan Brewer are going to write a song this week <laughs> and then uh, on Tuesday it's me and Tanny Hill and then on you know on uh, on Wednesday it's going to get crazy it's going to be uh, it's going to be uh it's going to be Blake Mitchell and Steven Garcia. You know what I mean? Like that's not a, not a lot of writing will get done that day. I don't think. <laughs> but that's hey, same thing happens for us when we write with our actual writers. It's a, oh, but yeah. I look at my calendar and I go, I'm going to be hammered on Thursday. Like it's that type of thing, you know? So, but that's what that allows us to do is, um, right. you know, that way three of us are in the room together. So that's going to keep the momentum going. So and, do, uh, do, you, do you hear the instrumental first or you just write the lyrics and kind of like, how, how does that work as far as like, so you're just writing the song and then you're kind of, are you, you know, how, how does yeah. that kind of shake out? If that, that can change either way. It's like, it's like um, I, last time, I think Darius, last time Darius and I wrote, uh, I had a, uh, like I was playing something on guitar that I thought was cool and I, and I did it and I had a title and he's like, it wasn't, and this is a song that hasn't been, we don't, I don't know if it recorded or not yet, but, I had a title and this cool little guitar thing. He was like, oh, that's cool. So we went with that. And and sometimes it works the exact opposite way. Sometimes, you know, whomever, it's South Carolina people. So like I could be right with Edwin and Edwin will be like, I had this cool melody. I thought of it. I just thought of it when I was driving over here. And it could just be something that he, you know, he goes with his amazing voice. He does some crazy run and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you, then you work backwards from there, you know, but it, it usually starts, um, it really just comes out. It's almost like gifts from above. You don't really know. You know? And sometimes right. songs happen in 15 minutes and sometimes songs happen in 15 years, you know, and, and, that, and there's no really rhyme or reason for which one's going to be better. Um, I've, I've written both, both of those have happened. And uh, sometimes they're, um, sometimes they're much better. Uh, the 15 minute ones are sometimes incredible. And sometimes you can realize that some, most of them you go, that was written in 15 minutes. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. So I, I want to talk about Darius a little bit. Cause you mentioned him, obviously that the Hootie boys have been really good to you, but I guess that has to be really cool as far as like, you know, first off, you just having that relationship, but again, both you guys being South Carolina alum and being able to draw inspiration from somebody that's like that close, like literally in your backyard went to USC, like just, just talk about that, you know, getting inspiration from Darius and Hootie. And well, I, you know, I think that's a cool dynamic. Yeah, they're, um, you know, I, I think we're fortunate as South Carolina Gamecocks and as South Carolinians mm -hmm. to have those guys as ambassadors for the state because they, they really are um, great humans, you know, like, you know, yeah. like Dean, Sony, Darius, uh, Mark, they're all awesome. And they've also just the whole – they're a family. Like, you know, they might hate each other a lot of times, like brothers will, right. but they still are a family and even their entire operation. I mean, like, you know, I could, 
I can name 25 people in their operation that I've, I've grown up with. I've known them now since, since I was 18 or 19 years old. It's the same people. And that's, that says a lot about them as humans because they have the same, the same people. And then also they grew up, you know, they're not all necessarily from South Carolina, you know, but they, um, they grew up there. That's where, you know, Columbia is, is and Charleston is home for them. So um, it's, it's really nice to have those guys to kind of keep you grounded because the truth is I know, I, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be um, in some, you know, circles that a lot of people would be like, Oh, that's, that's crazy. You know, they want to know the, about those people and not all of those people are wonderful humans. Right. You know, there, a lot of them are not grounded. A lot of them are not, um, you know, Darius can pick up the phone and, and talk to Tiger Woods or, or Barack Obama. You know, if he needs to, if he, he can do anything he wants to basically with his, with his stature, but he's still there. He just, to me, he's just Darius. Like, right. you know, we text during the game and we're like, what the, is this shit? you know what i mean like that's like, it's just like that's that's normal like you know that's our normal conversation it's not i don't think anything of it it's just darius and um that's that's a nice thing for me to have and it's also great because like i said those were the mark Bryan. um he produced my first album you know when i'm going to charleston um i'll be in charleston on friday this week on friday doing an event for old uh south carolina baseball coach chad holbrook um, oh nice year. and um but i'll see mark you know, we'll go to dinner, probably we'll probably go to halls, you know, do that. I haven't been to Charleston in eight months, you know, so we'll do all the, all the normal stuff that, you know, we all like to do, but it's just a nice thing that Mark's like a big brother to me. And, you know, and, and Darius and Dean, and I don't see Dean and Sony that much other than when I'm on the road with them, but they're still, if I needed something from them or they needed something from me, we would pick up the phone and call each other like that. And that's a, that's a very nice thing to have, um, especially with guys like that. Cause how can you not respect, you know, what they achieved, it's hard to um, it's hard to fathom. I think I think it's it's almost like it's not much different than um, you know in the sports world. It's it's like talking to George about winning a Heisman. You know, right. it's like it's like um, I mean we don't like to talk about it because it's it's you know it's Clemson, but it's like it's what Dabo has done to get to a level with Clemson. Like that's not a level that most people will ever get right. to, and so you have to respect that. Even if it's not like, I didn't grow up listening to Hootie music. I, it's not, I love the Hootie boys, but right, that's, right. I grew up listening to, you know, a different, different stuff, but it's like, I still respect the shit out of them above everything else. Just because I'm like, man, these guys have been to a place that few people can ever like, you know, that level of success and that level of uh, stardom, I guess is just a very, very, uh, it's rarefied error. Yeah, you, you talk about how grounded Darius is. It's funny. I actually, this was pre-COVID in January when uh, Jason Aldean was in Columbia. Darius was with them, or he came out like a special guest appearance. And after the concert, I had a buddy of mine Snapchat me like, yo, Darius is down at bar none in five points. Like, just, right. just casual, just really casual. He's like, yeah, he's buying shots for people in the bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just whatever, whatever. Um, no, he's going to go, well, because he wants to go home. And I think right, that's, right. I, I watched yeah. the Dave Chappelle thing uh, last night, uh, um, David Letterman did an interview with Chappelle and, and he did it in Chappelle's hometown in, in Ohio, I guess is where he lives. Mm. And he talked about it. And he's like, well, this is home. He's like, it's this is where I want to be. And I think that's what, I think that's the same thing with the Hootie boys. And it's the same thing for me. It's like, when I go home, you're going to find me. And if I'm in Charleston or if I'm in Columbia or if I go to Greenville or Camden where I grew up, I'm going to the same places right. that I went when I was 19, 20 years old. Cause I want to go in and feel like I, I have in our world, especially with how much we normally travel, we get to go all over the place. I can be in Positano. I can be in France. I can be in LA. It's just that those are great trips, but I like, we all crave that connection that we feel when we're back home. And that's one of the reasons the Gamecocks are so important to us because 
we, we there's something beautiful about reminding us of where we're actually from. So yeah, you'll always find Darius at bar none group, you know, those <laughs> yeah. few places you're always oh, yeah. No, for sure. So let, let's talk about the Gamecock album, Patrick. That's where most Gamecock fans are going to know you from and familiar yeah. with you. And um, like I said in the pre-show, you know, the uh, the intro. I mean, I I still jam just a big old cock, and we ain't far on game day. It's like a it's like a, a rite of passage on game day to jam those tunes. So obviously, congratulations to you and great work. But just talk about number one. I'm sure that had to be so cool to be able to kind of give back in a sense. I mean, you being an alum and a huge Gamecock fan, and to make an album that impacted so many South Carolina fans. Um, and I remember when, you know, right when you dropped them, right immediately when you dropped them, I remember uh, Wingo and his yard cocks when South Carolina won back-to-back. And I remember you seeing that, I think you posted on YouTube, was where you yeah. were saying, I'm just literally sitting here watching the game, and that became a hit. And then Just a Big old Cock came out, and then the entire Gamecock album. Like, just talk about, I guess, diving into the Gamecock side of things, making South Carolina Gamecocks music and, like, the inspiration, like, what what one day you – like, what made you one day decide to do that? And obviously the album comes out and it's been a huge success. Yeah, man. I mean, I just uh, – I came home from Nashville uh, around 2008 or 2009. I don't remember what season it was, but we played Ole Miss. They were ranked yeah. number four in the country. Yeah, 09. Yeah. I was home that week. I was home that, that weekend for something. I probably had a show or something. And uh, Chris Matlock, you know, Matlock for the mm. Gamecocks, uh, he was the uh, equipment manager for Lou, our uh, coach Holtz. And uh, he, um, he, uh, I, I guess he stayed with Spurrier as well. Right. And so he asked me if I, uh, I got tickets to the game. I went to the game, we won. And I remember just, I mean, you, you, you know, we as Bryce, when it's rocking and when we're actually doing well. It's and that was the, that was the birth of Sandstorm too. So it was yeah. nuts. Yeah. I was, I was at that game. It was nuts. I mean, I think Norwood had like some yeah. sort of like five sacks and inters. I mean, it was a crazy game, but the the feeling of that stadium, you know, it's a, and you, I basically was just, you know, I was filled with a bunch of Gamecock pride and I was kind of, you know, I was like, man, this is awesome. And I, I had an idea. I was like, we need a song. Like it just, and it had nothing yeah. to do. It wasn't, it was there was no, um, I wasn't doing it for any like prideful re- for me personally. Right. I was just right. thinking it was funny. I write songs <laughs> for a living. So I was like, right. I'm going to write some stupid ass song about the Gamecocks. And I, and I came up with the idea for the title and I was, I just giggled. I was like, that's, <laughs> and then uh, a week or two later, I, I came, I was in Nashville and I came, uh, I think I was supposed to write one afternoon and, and what often happens in these co-writing sessions is because mm. we do go out and drink too much. Um, someone cancels on you like the morning of the write. They're like, dude, I can't, um, I can't write today, man. I'm just so hungover. And so I was like, okay. So I sat on my couch like I am now basically. And uh, I said, I'm going to write this song. And I literally did write Big Old Cock in about 25 minutes. I mean, I was laughing like a schoolgirl the whole time I was writing it because I was like, this is so ridiculous. And I never thought anyone would hear it. Um, I, I honestly thought that it would be just something stupid I would play for my friends to make them laugh when we were hanging out. You know, I'd, I'd call some of my buddies. I mean, this is 2009, 2010. It wasn't even like, couldn't FaceTime anybody. It was like, you know, I'd call over the phone and be like, listen to this. And my buddies just uh, back home, big game cops are all like, mm. you got to record that, man. You got to record it. And so eventually I got around to it. And what was funny is I sent it to a few friends um, and they sent it to a few friends. And before right. I knew it, it was being played on like Jay Phillips and Michael Haney mm. back then. They were playing it on the, you know, and I, I find out this information secondhand because I'm in Nashville. And they're like, dude, they're playing it on the radio. They're like, they're talking about they're in the stadium. <laughs> People are playing at tailgate. And so it just, mm. but it was a beautiful thing because what it did was it did, um, that and then Wingo, um, I think I wrote Big Old Cock first, and then yeah. I 
Wingo, and then and then the university actually asked Eric Nichols. I don't know who mm-hmm. Eric yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, Coach Tanner was um, a few of those guys, you know, that I'd met, Chad, um, a bunch of the football guys. They they came to me and kind of were like, hey, we got to do something with the university where mm-hmm. you could do, you know, uh, five or six songs that were Gamecock related. And that's how the Gamecock album kind of came about was that. And I wrote uh, a couple. I got Darius and Evelyn to do the We Ain't Far with me, um, which is, seems like we are a long ways. We are far. <laughs> That's what it should be called now. Um, but uh, and then, uh, but back then it was seemed really close. Right, right. And, uh, and then I wrote My Carolina, which is um, just a one-to-one that was really pretty that was kind of about the state of South Carolina, just that anybody, even if the Clemson fans. Because what's funny about Big Old Cock is that I have so many friends that are Clemson fans, I have family that are Clemson fans, and Georgia fans, whatever, and they all will listen to that song, and they're like, I want to hate that song, but it's just so cute and clever. I just love it. And so, like, it's funny to me because they, even though they, I, you know, I dog on all of those people, it's, I think they get it. I always think that sports, sports and music, and, uh, you know, there's these things that keep, get us, make us closer together. And so I always, I love sports because I can go, you know, I can be in California, and if I see somebody that has on a, Georgia shirt, you know, I'll be like, oh, where are you from, man? You know, because I know instantly that I could talk about South Carolina and talk about Georgia. You know, it's, it's just, it's a nice um, sports bring us a lot closer together than we like to. I mean, hell, you know, Thanksgiving would probably be pretty boring for most of us if we couldn't talk about our rivalry between Clemson and Carolina. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's nice things. Um, and so I think that's what, you know, I found from uh, those songs. They brought a lot of joy into my life. And, 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 uh, and thank you, a lot of joy. Uh, you know, into a lot of game cuts, like you said, that's really nice. That makes me smile. It makes me very yeah. happy. Um, yeah, I'm saying I, I still play it every game day, and it's uh, and like I said, it's a, it's a very witty, clever song, very catchy. Obviously, obviously, you came out too with the the rendition when uh when, when Will Muschamp was hired, and the update was cool. You know, giving props to Lattimore and Alshon yeah. and Clowney and like the the legends, obviously. But uh, I was going to ask you how funny was it because I remember I, I think if I remember correctly. Because, again, it's funny that, you know, we wear hats with cocks on it and shirts and just a big old cock. Like, you think nothing of it. And then I'll have friends that, you know, when I lived in Charlotte, I lived in Charlotte for a bit, people from, like, upstate New York and Ohio, and they're like, you wear cock on your shirt? I'm like, it's the game cocks. Like, they don't get it. You know what I mean? So, like, I remember, obviously, if somebody that's not a South Carolina fan or not familiar here is, yeah, I wrote this song called Just a Big Old Cock. They're going to be like, what? And I remember the YouTube video when you made the music video, it was so funny because what is it in the beginning the girls like patrick davis you are a big old cock and it's like yeah. so funny like that's actually like, that's funny that's laura bell bundy who was uh one of my friend who's an actor she's on a she's that on was a so actor. funny she, but they think it's so funny because she's from kentucky and she's like every now and then it's funny is i'll get a text message from like you know, from, from Laura Bell or somebody, and they'll be like, you big old cock. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> it's funny for them because they don't understand it. But I mean, right. you know, we don't think anything of it. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm like you go to a game and there's a six-year-old kid yelling, go Cox. And nobody yeah. thinks anything of this. That's just, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, it is pretty funny for us. And that's actually why the university actually asked me for the official uh, album version, they have they have big old game cock. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, no, no, because I, I, I was going to ask you about that too. You had to come out. I'm just a big old game cock. You like well, they, made, they made me do it because they were afraid of the back. I mean that they, you know, and that's NCAA. There's a lot of NCAA stuff that went into right. that too. I mean, I had to, to give you an idea of how like just backwards the NCAA is. Um, they when I did Wingo, you know, I I wrote Wingo for the second championship. They right, went right. back to back mm-hmm. and. And uh, I wrote it just in front of the television, like when we were yeah, watching the water or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, well, when I went to put on the Gamecock album, 
I got a phone call from the basically the NCAA clearance people at USC saying, hey, you have to change. Man, I can't. I want to say Mooney. Was it? Was there a Mooney whose brother ended up playing? Yeah, like yeah. P- it was uh, Marcus Mooney and Peter Mooney. So Marcus Mooney was his younger brother. Yeah. So Peter Mooney, he was in the song. It said Mooney, yeah. and it was obvious what I was talking about. All the shit in the song was from two <laughs> years prior. It was a championship thing, and they said you can't have this Mooney in there because they will think that it's the Mooney that's on the field now, and it will make him ineligible because it is a profit you're making a profit off of it was crazy i was like that makes no sense so i had to go back in and change his name re-sing it right not so that's that's probably why you took kumis out then because he was playing because so forrest kumis is a good buddy of mine i always wonder i'm like why did the updated like kumis's name was in it yeah now we now i know okay that makes sense i I got a frantic phone call because i think we had already started the pressing of the album was about to start and i had to get in touch with the company that was doing it saying hey you guys you can't do this because of this and so i mean it was it was a crazy situation but i was like that's what the ncaa is worried about i was like that is i mean i get it but like if you put this together you're like that makes no sense like yeah. this is not this has nothing to do with anyone on the field today they're not profiting no one's profiting off of these yeah. just uh but but yes it brings a lot of joy i mean now you know i mean i um i am happy it's it's funny because you're right about the big old cock what's uh the song it's um with someone i go i was i was on tour with hootie last year before all this uh, it was mm-hmm. a year ago now which is crazy but we did europe and um i know it's funny because i'd be playing in scotland and someone would like be on my spotify and they'd be like so what is this big old cock song because that's the song that you see it's like the first <laughs> yeah. song all the game cocks listen to it all the time yeah. for football season i'm like I'm like, well, it's a song about my game. And they're like, oh, okay, Cox. Okay, okay. But it's funny. Everybody <laughs> sees that. It's just like, right. they're like, that's, it's a, it's, it's definitely something, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world. I always say to be known as the big old cock guy. So, you know, it's, it, it could be worse. Yeah, it could, so. could be worse. And I, I would say too, you timed it up beautifully because you dropped that and obviously Spurrier and the, and the team go on the run. And I mean, obviously everything's better when we win business yeah. and, content and music i mean it just popped off obviously and became like the anthem for gamecock fans and you are right it is kind of funny i'll listen to we ain't far still on game day and i'll watch like the music video and you see the highlights and you're like we're not quite as close as we were oh, <laughs> for sure um but, but but we'll come back around. i mean you know, yeah yeah have, yeah, yeah no like you said, eternal optimist for sure. We have to be as Carolina fans. But so you released the Gamecock album. It's been a huge success. I, I want to talk to you about current day South Carolina football. And, you know, you had some comments about watching the last five years or so. And we all know, I know it's tough living as Gamecock fans with the streak to Clemson and what's going on and what, whatever. We're in the middle of the season, obviously, coming off the loss to LSU. Just kind of get your thoughts on Carolina football right now. Like you said, it's just so interesting because, you know, we're not at the bottom. We're not at the bottom like we were, like ninety eight, ninety nine, like when you were there. But coming off of the success Spurrier had, it's such a tough pill to swallow right now. And I'll be totally honest. I've had people ask me questions about you know LSU and the game that, and it's like I get more pissed off as I get more questions because I think back and I'm just like, it's year five and we still don't have a competent defense. Um, we don't know how to tackle. I mean, the, the basic things, you know what I mean? But anyways, I want to get your take, your opinions, and just Carolina football, you know, what you see on the field. Again, you're a diehard fan, so you speak from the heart of the fan. I mean, you're not, you know, it's not, no filter. Yeah, I'm, so I'm just a fan. That's the thing. A prerequisite here is, like, I am just a fan. I, <laughs> I don't pay much attention. I couldn't tell you what defense, you know, we're, we're running and shit like right, that. Right, right, right. Um, but, but I can, you know, 
the eye test, you know, any, any of us can tell it's, there's a huge difference between, you know, the talent level that is at LSU and the, and the talent level of the university of South Carolina. And um, that was glaringly obvious. You know, if you watch the way that they manhandled our defensive line and our offensive line for that matter, um, you know, it's um, and also, unfortunately, you know, like I said, year five, this is the thing I, I have a, I do coach most great, very nice man. Like I have done some charity stuff with him. Um, and so I don't, I, you know, I don't pretend to know more than he does. That's not my, my gig, but, um, but at the same time, man, it's just, it's been, it's been tough to watch because, you know, I felt like there's been some really like questionable shit going down. Yeah. And it's Um, just been, it's just been so up and down. It's been so inconsistent. Um, and I I think that's why I told somebody today is I think, the reason, one of the reasons fans are so frustrated is because the fan wants to understand. Like they, they want to have some sort of understanding of like kind of what's going on, and it just doesn't make sense when you see a team beat number three Georgia and then lose lose to App State, or then this year yeah. beat Auburn and then get shellacked at it. Like it's just, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, you know. I think so. we're eternal, like eternal optimists, and I think that the truth of the matter is Auburn's not that good. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree. And, and they're, they're ranked, you know, it's, it's the, they were ranked because of, you know, a number of different variables allowed them to be ranked where they were ranked. And it's great to have that feather under your cap. If you're looking at a, you know, you know, a piece of paper that tells you, Oh, look, they beat the number 15 ranked team, but the truth right. is they weren't the number 15 ranked team. And, and we got pretty fortunate because we really got, kind of got drug up and down the field in that game and just had a couple of turnovers and a couple of things. If that, if that Bo Nix guy doesn't throw some dumbass passes, then we don't, <laughs> we don't win that game, you know? Right. And, and I think that the problem that I have is that I look at the schedule with what we have right now and I go, I'm not sure. I mean, I think we could probably go two and three maybe, um, but I think we could also go zero and five. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I don't know. Um, I, I, I just wonder, you know, when you start losing the fan base yeah. um, for real, like you really start doing it where we don't even care. Like or apathy. Yeah. Apathy sets in. Yeah. We watch it, but we're just kind of like, eh, you know, that's, yeah. that's a different place to be that, that really is a bad place to be. And I, and I can't imagine that uh, president, you know, uh, it, Castling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine that he's, he's too happy about this because it, it really does. It, it, I always say that the Clemson thing is interesting because if you watch what happened at the University of Clemson there, uh, you know, the, um, the freshmen or I guess the seniors in high school that are trying to apply to Clemson, the numbers are through the roof because they're very, you know, they're 16, 17 year old kids. They want to go where the football team's good. So all of a sudden think about the revenue that that generates. Think about mm-hmm. the revenue from the guys. I always, you know, the old guys that are, that are playing golf, smoking cigars uh, and, and giving money to the science program aren't giving money to the science program usually because the science program is great it's because <laughs> of the fact that right, the football right. team is great and they can talk shit to their buddies on the golf course that's what you know I, I'm, I'm glad that the business school is awesome but me and Darius ain't texting about how Darla Moore school is rocking you know that's just not how it works you know right, right. so and I and I think that's what I'm looking at now is I'm going man we're we're losing a lot of money I don't care how great our facilities are we're we're, we're not generating the money we should be generating and especially with you know, they talk about the buyouts and stuff like that. And that's, I think that's a crutch. I don't think we should, um, that's crazy, man. I, I, I know a lot of these donors and I know a lot right. of people who have the money and it's, that's, that's, that's insane. I know that COVID's going to be a crazy, crazy thing, but you can't put a price. You really honestly can't put a price tag on what a strong sports program in the big two, which I consider to be basketball and football mm. will do for the rest of your university. 
you know, I mean, and so that's where I think we are. Yeah. You talk about the, uh, the facilities and stuff. I mean, you've got, you've got $20 million renovations at Williams Bryce and boxes to sell and to pay back. And yeah, I mean, like you're saying, if apathy's setting in, you're going to have a tough time selling suites and boxes. Well, we, haven't sold, we haven't sold out any of the, you know, I think, we, you know, they, they oh, say, yeah. but those, we're not even doing the numbers, you know, for the 20%, you know, like nobody's coming to the games. I mean, yeah. and we're. Well, and, it's, and it's like you said, like, you know, even last year before COVID, I mean, 98, 99, and I know it's a different time because all the streaming packages and you can just watch at home, whatever. But I mean, yeah. Carolina fans were packing out Williams Bryce when the team was 0 and 11. And now it's like, you know, last year you, you'd go to games and it's like, it's, you know, not even full. And it's like, you're playing like Tennessee or you're playing Florida. It's like, what is going on? Like, and, I, and I have to say like, none of us want, I don't think any, any fan of any team wants to have a situation where, you know, the coach is fired or where things are like, we don't want you. You don't want that. What we all want is to see like continuity happen in the next five games. And some, and some of those kind of, uh, questionable uh calls that happen like whether it be field goals or whether it be seven minute drives at the end of a game where you're down <laughs> by two touchdowns like whatever those right. are like those yeah. things need to disappear because it's it really is weird it's it's almost like um there's just a, a cog in the wheel that you know something stops during the yeah. game like it's not it's not and i think that's why the fans are upset i think my like myself who's just a fan like i was a shitty fucking sorry can't go no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, a, a bad football player at Camden High School. I mean, I was decent. I played tight end and 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 and, uh, and uh, defensive end. And I was like, uh, got run over every game. That was what I did. Okay, so um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do know that I feel there's a feeling that I have, and I think a lot of other people have uh, in the game cognition that just go, "This is not acceptable." You know, right. we've seen how good we can be. So giving us all this like oh, we've got to wait because of our, you know, this new coordinator or this or this or yeah. this or this. There's always reasons. And you're like, that doesn't work, man. I was like, that's just, that's bullshit. Because yeah. these, these are the same. It's still South Carolina. Spurrier had his crushing life until he, he, I mean, he left us high and dry. I get it. But at the same time, you can build this in five years. If you don't have that going on to five years, man, that's a long. You got you got to move. You got to move that forward. One yeah, way it's other. it's a results oriented business. You know, when you're making the kind of money those guys make at the end of the day, like you said, putting emotions to the side and how you feel about a person. Because, like you said, I mean, again, not to get off on a tangent about Will Muschamp, but likable guy. I mean, I, I tell people he runs a fantastic program Sunday through Friday. Kids graduate, stay out of trouble. Um, you know, the facilities are popping. Whatever you know, uh, you know, staff continuity, whatever you want to say, but. Saturdays is what you get paid paid for. You get paid to win on Saturdays, and you know it's a results oriented business. And they know that, and we know that, and everybody knows that. So the results aren't there. And like you said, it's tough when we know kind of how good we can be. Now uh, we, we've seen the potential, and it's to be falling to not even be close to it. I, I don't. I don't think Carolina fans. Obviously, again, I. You know, if the if whoever was winning seven eight games a year, and I mean, I don't think anybody would be upset. But to be so far removed so from far it. That's what that's the tough pill to swallow. I, I want to get to more more positive things, uh, Patrick. I, I want to ask you yeah. whether as a student or just as a fan, what's your favorite games that you've been in attendance to at Williams Bryce? So, like they're games that stick out to you that like are your favorite memories from uh going to Carolina games. Yeah, man. Uh well, yeah, I mean, happy times, happy times. Um, yeah, the first game I ever went to, I was a kid, I, I was probably fourth or fifth grade I went and saw an App State game which I know was not a big deal but it was uh you know for me it was you know when you just talk about like you know kid of the 
late 80s early 90s or something you go to a game you know that was right. when they were like once again there was only a couple of games on the on television every week so it was a big deal to go to any game and uh, that was that was pretty awesome um and then the you know i guess the the, the coolest game that i've ever been i was at some sad games i was actually at the i was i was on the sidelines for the tennessee game that we lost at neyland uh where if we would have won that game we would have won the sec east that year i guess probably uh, a couple years ago maybe 2011, maybe. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was also, uh, but I was at, I was at Williams Bryce right behind the bench when we beat uh, Alabama. And that was, oh, awesome. yeah. 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 So that was, that was a great day. That was, a, that was a lot of fun. And, um, and yeah, you know, I mean, like, I think that's why we, we, we hope and, you know, a phrase is probably a little too hard of a word. I don't, I think you get religion when you get to sports <laughs> like this, but, um, you know, we did, we definitely are, are wishing for, the opportunity to have some great events like that again. And I think that's probably like back to the, what we just talked about. What sucks for us all right now is that we don't have those moments mm -hmm. right now. You know, we're not, we're, we're, we're way, we're far away from that. From 2010, that feels like that was 50 years ago now for Gamecock fans. So that's what I want to feel. I want to get it back to, and I hope much champs the guy that doesn't, yeah, there's yeah. no part of me that doesn't want that to happen. But um, yeah, I've had a lot of great, I mean, Gamecocks have brought, truth of the matter is yes, a lot of sadness, but, I mean, for the most part, a hell of a lot more joy, you know, yeah, I mean, even, in the, even in the losses, it's been, yeah, you know, like, like you said, you, you got to be an eternal optimist and with Carolina football seems, and I mean this in the, the funniest lighthearted way, the jokes kind of write themselves sometimes. <laughs> that's what it, that's what it feels like. So Patrick, you've been great before I get you out of here. I do want to ask you again about the music side of things. Let people just kind of know what you're working on right now. I'm sure obviously, over the quarantine, you you had a lot of time to, to write music and work on music, but let people know. Obviously, I, I'll go ahead and tell them if they want to go check out your stuff, patrickdavismusic.com, and obviously you're all over social media, and I think any Gamecock fan that's listening is going to know where to find you, but just kind of give people an idea what you've been working on, what you've got up your sleeve for, obviously, hopefully, hopefully 2021, we're going to get back to full pack concerts and some sort of normalcy, whatever, but just kind of what you're, what you're working on, what you've got in the works right now. So, uh, yeah, man, I did a, um, I've been working on the whole year, uh, without being the, being able to tour, I started doing, uh, two album projects. So I just, um, I finished one called couch covers, uh, back in March, I started, uh, I think like the 20th or somewhere there in March, I did a cover song every night from this couch actually. Um, cause I was, we were quarantined in Nashville. We were pretty, we we're pretty locked down. So for, uh, I did about 65 of them in a row where every, every night I would pick a cover song that I knew or didn't know I'd learn it. And I would, I would do it on my social media. And uh, that turned into an album. People started asking if I would do an album. So the couch covers album uh, comes out December 4th, but the first single came out a few weeks ago and actually on Friday, I don't know exactly when this is going to air, um, but on uh, the 30th uh, rocket man, which is the next tune. Uh, that one comes out uh, on Spotify, on you know Apple Music, all your streaming platforms, and you can get the uh, the album you know, on a vinyl or on a CD, which nobody does CDs anymore. But the vinyl is pretty damn cool, and uh, that's on my website, PatrickDavisMusic.com. And so that's the Couch Covers album. It's, it's pretty. I, I can't I can't lie. It's uh, it was pretty fun. It kept me very busy for about three months, uh, recording and getting all the stuff together for that, which was nice during this insane year, you know, staying busy is very important where you don't go insane. Mm. Um, and then I'm working, uh, I'm doing some shows coming up. Actually, I have a uh, Charleston music hall on November 13th. We're doing 250 people and, you know, the music hall is usually a thousand people. Right. So, but we're doing 250 uh, spaced out, you know, all the 
temperature checks. You know, we've got to keep everybody safe. And then I always do a uh, Toys for Tots show uh, right the Thanksgiving weekend, Friday night. Mm -hmm. So November 27th, I'm doing that in Columbia. It's my fourth annual one at the Senate or the Tin Roof, you know, right yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Columbia. And so, uh, yeah, and that's once again, tables, you know, 250 people, like usually a thousand. Um, just, you know, the, what we're trying to do right now, man, is the same thing. The football, the football team did it, and I'm glad they did it. I'm glad that I know there's been some, some, you know, it hasn't been easy, but, you know, it makes it feel more normal for right. all of us to be able to talk about this, even though the season hasn't been great for us. It's okay. At least we're talking about it. Yeah. And we're not, we're not just stuck at home, you know, trying to figure out what on Netflix we haven't watched yet. You know, <laughs> so this is, this is actually, I love the fact that we have football. I love that we yeah. have this conversation and thank you for, for doing this. And, and that's why I'm doing shows. I'm trying to do shows and it's mm -hmm. just, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, to the point now where I told my friends, I was like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to post it out there in the world. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to go, I will play in your freaking backyard right now. We're going to bring your friends to the house. We're going to drink some whiskey jam whiskey and I'm going to play for you at your house because I need to play for people and I want right. it to feel like it's normal. So that's kind of what's going on now. So you, you said, out. you said you're going to be in Columbia. You said Thanksgiving that Friday. Is that right? Yeah. November 27th. So that's going to be, that's a, that's Georgia weekend in Columbia. Yeah, yeah, are you going to yeah. be, you going to go to the game? Man, I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of, it's kind of, it, I will say the ticket prices are absurd and obviously it's just weird going with COVID, but yeah, you'll be, well, you'll be in town if nothing else, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see, man. I mean, I, you know, I think that it would probably be fun. You know, are they going to 20,000 people can get, get yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, 20,000. Yeah. yeah. But like the tickets, and that was the crazy thing, not to get completely off another yeah. tangent, but the tickets at LSU were so cheap. It's like $22. You look for Georgia, they're like 140 starting. That's, uh, that's the, that's the, the university's charging that? They like, no, through, through other like StubHub and oh, Ticketmaster oh, yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. So, well, thanks to, um, thanks to big old cock. I don't really have to pay for tickets. Yeah, that's true. That's like, a good I'm point. sure one night, but. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're, what you spoke of is actually, or you mentioned earlier, is actually true. It's like you know, I, it, it's pretty awesome watching the game on your at your house. You know, mm -hmm. the whole thing. It's like I, I literally, I'm so spoiled thanks to Spurrier and those guys, and you know, and, and, and a lot of the people at South Carolina. If I'm not on the sidelines for the game, mm -hmm. I'm in my house. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, nice. like, I'm like, I don't want to watch the game. I mean, I, I get like, but no, it's um. Yeah, maybe, man. Let's see if we go four. If we go three and zero before Georgia. I'll go to the Georgia game. There you go. I'll, I'll probably do it too. Also, I, I do want to say you are doing like Instagram lives and stuff on game day. Yeah. I've seen that you're doing like a little like hour long like little jam session. That's so if you're if you if you're on Instagram, right? yeah, check him out. He's doing those uh, on game day. Nice to kind of jam. It's pretty depressing right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, mean, a, I mean, it's been fun to see everybody and everything, but I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, man. I'm waking up. I'm an hour ahead of everybody. The right. next game, I'm actually going to be in Napa next week for whatever the game. I mean, it's probably a noon game. No, the A and M. It's seven thirty. So actually, night game. Night game at Willie B. I might do it. I might be wine. I might be drunk off my ass in Napa <laughs> and do it. But yeah, that's the only way I'm going to do it. I'm like, this is depressing because every yeah. now you know everybody wants to talk about is like. How bad are we going to lose, Patrick? Tell us how bad. We're well, going if you lose. drink, if you drink enough wine, you'll convince yourself we're going to win. See, that's the trap you fall into. That's that's what it is. So, yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. I, obviously, go check him out, PatrickDavisMusic.com. He's on social media as well. And again, Patrick, I just want to say, number one, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. But obviously, like you said, your music, the Gamecock album specifically, brings joy to so many South Carolina fans, me included. I, like I said, I literally jam it every single game day, and glad also to see a Gamecock having success doing what you're doing in your field with the music and songwriting and all that stuff. So keep up the great work, man. We'll obviously be following along and hopefully fingers crossed. Like I said, we're uh, 
we're destined for a five and zero finish the second half of the season. And yeah, we, yeah. we get we we get a little closer. We're we're far away. We're we're not we ain't far, but hopefully we get a little bit closer than we are right now. So yeah, man. Listen, I want us to, I want us to get back there, and I think you know I think it will happen. I just I just uh, you know we just got to keep. Keep keep waiting till next year. I think that's yeah. it. <laughs> that's it. Well, Patrick, appreciate you taking the time, man. Pleasure. We'll definitely do it again soon. All right, man. Thank you, brother. I'll be going down there. Go Cox. Absolutely. He's Patrick Davis. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show. decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer mail checks invoices documents and everything you need to keep your business running get rates up to 89 percent off usps and ups and with the mobile app you can take care of mailing on the go make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com sign up at stamps.com with code program for a special offer that's stamps.com code program